Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brave. Crossover, step back! Right here on 960theref.com. What's up, everybody? Sam Franco, Chris Brain back with another exciting edition of the Crossover Podcast right here on 960theref.com. Plenty to get to today, although we have hit the dry kind of no football left season, particularly with National Signing Day coming and going. So not a football-heavy show, although we will talk some Falcons a little later on, and we will talk a little Georgia basketball as well. But first and foremost, I wanted to start these, well, start the proceedings with some talk about the Winter Olympics, as the U.S. has done a very good job so far, particularly in the snowboarding, where I'm pretty sure they've taken of all the medals they could, uh, or of all the events, they've taken every gold medal so far in the snowboarding events. So that's always a a pretty good feat to have there, but at the same time. Uh, some of the other events, maybe not the specialty of folks from the United States. No, and that's why you know Norway has been the the dominant country in the Winter Olympics. I guess they've won the most. Uh, is it gold medals or just medals? Period. I think it's just all medals. Time, so. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, the U.S. does well enough, and yeah, we found a little niche with these uh, as these X Games uh, events have gotten into the uh, Winter Olympics, and now they just need to add the uh, the snowmobile stuff that they have at the X Games, like like Snowcross X or whatever, where they're doing like backflips on the snowmobiles. Well, it, I mean, <laughs> if that becomes like popular, I think the Winter Olympics eventually will. You noticed, I mean, snowboard was being televised on the on the network NBC. It, was it wasn't on their cable prime channel. time, yeah. like you know, main stuff that, that was definitely cool cool to watch sean white who i mean look uh, there's a big difference i guess in the females and the males when it comes to snowboarding and it's the air that they get i mean those dudes were getting serious air sean white's like 16 feet above like you know up in the air above the half pipe doing his twists and twirls and stuff and that stuff is uh, really incredible to watch and then there was that one uh, japanese snowboarder who had one of the worst wipeouts i've ever seen when he like landed on the top of the half pipe, folded like an accordion, and then just rolled down the half pipe, and they had to like delay the thing for like they twenty minutes. Him. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say they had to airlift that guy out of there, and uh, you know I, I re- recorded like video of it on my phone, just because the sound that his body made when he hit the top of the half pipe just sounded like bones crunching. Yeah, well, like you said, I mean, think how high that guy was in the air. Right. I mean, the, so basically, the distance that he fell from when he hit that. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing. The the, the that half pipe is like a, it's a mold, so there's probably some like uh, metal or something underneath all that ice and snow that, that is the mold. So I mean they're, they're basically just landing like right on top of that and brutal. But I mean to be able to and then you know I know the Winter Olympics isn't everybody's cup of tea. You know even on the morning show when I bring it up, Dave's just kind of like, oh yeah, the Winter Olympics are happening, you know, and that's fine. But I kind of get into it just because these are things I don't normally watch. So uh, the snowboarding in particular has been something I paid a lot of attention to 
as uh, as is some of the uh, those ice events like luge and uh, and skeleton and stuff like that. Yeah, I was watching the luge over the weekend. I know the uh, America medaled in that for but, the first time ever. That's right. The dude got the silver medal, but then there was that one uh, female U.S. luger that like wiped out. Yeah, and uh, now that's scary because they're going like seventy-five miles an hour when they start right. building up speed. I don't know if the women get to the same speeds as the men do. I know mm-hmm. the men were getting up there at like seventy-five. Oh yeah, I'm sure they're getting you know, I'm pretty they're close too, too, one way or yeah. another. Yeah, if you wipe out on there, it's going to be frightening. But um, you know, curling is my sport. And that's what I uh, that's what I watch. I've been a little disappointed the last couple of nights because. Now that the hockey tournament has started, it feels like they're showing more of that. Mm-hmm. And like with the NHL players not in it, I don't really care to watch it now. Well, it's kind of like the the Masters app or Masters.com during the Masters. Like, you can go, I mean, uh, you know, I know coverage on TV is only like three to like seven or whatever. But, like, you can go online and find all this stuff. And the NBC Sports app, I have it. I know you, I think you have a PlayStation. I have an Xbox. But, like, I think you can get the NBC Sports app, and then literally, like, every single event, you can either go watch live or they put it on for, like, on demand. So you can, like, watch it later. So that's been something pretty cool about the Olympics is I've been able to kind of go back and watch some of the stuff that I would have missed live. Yeah, I'm not that into it where i got to go. I'm going to go and re-watch it. But if I'm sitting around and I'm flipping through and I see, okay, here's the Olympics, if I go to NBC Sports Network, like, I want to see curling. And I saw mm-hmm. that early on, but I haven't seen it now in a couple of days. Well, so. and I saw the one, what is it, the biathlon, where they're cross-country skiing and then shooting. <laughs> and then shooting, yeah. Like, yeah. I've seen a bunch of people, like, tweet stuff. I saw one tweet in particular that was like, yeah, cross-country skiing and then dropping down and shooting. That's real, like, life skills. And then that guy just got murdered by people on Twitter. Like, uh, have you never heard of blah, blah, like, all these wars that, like, Finland and, like, Norway were involved in, where they're basically, like, doing that. They're, like, cross-country skiing and shooting. So yeah. it's like, not only is that... Like a life skill, but it's way more of a life skill than half of the sports you play. It's like I think somebody's tweet in response to that was, "Yeah, throwing a ball through an orange hoop is a life skill, but you know, biathlon isn't." Well, <laughs> so I mean, probably even in some of those snow-covered countries too, when it just came to you know hunting, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you'd have to like cross-country ski, and then you see your game, and then you yeah. get down and you shoot <laughs> you it. So. Shoot. Exactly. So uh, just a, a bunch of you know random events, uh, skeleton still. Uh, the scariest thing to me. Although I heard this proposed on a, on a radio show the other day. Would you rather do the ski jump or skeleton? And they're both incredibly dangerous. Skeleton <laughs> is the one where you're on your stomach. You're right? on your stomach going head first. It's luge, but you're on your stomach going head first. See, it's weird. Like, I would rather do that than be on my back. For some reason, I feel like really? I'd be... Yes, I feel like I'd, I'd have more control I, if I, can I was see what on you're my saying. stomach. But, like, one thing I noticed during the skeleton while I was watching it is, like... The, the legs of the people doing it are swaying back and forth like almost like a fish's tail. And right. I'm like, I feel like you would want to be more secured than that. But I guess there's, you know, they, they obviously know way more about it and there's strategy and all sorts of stuff involved there. But I feel like a crash in the skeleton would be more, I guess, dangerous than a crash in the luge just because you're going head first. Yeah, I know. I mean, I... I don't, yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't rather do it, any of them, but... Well, like, I don't do heights very well, so, like, the, the, the I guess, prospect of ski jumping, I mean, not only do you have to, you're going super fast down that one hill, and then it launches you up, and, I mean, you have to keep your skis like a V, and then you, like, land, and I feel like I would horribly, horribly injure myself doing that. And then you're folded over, too. Right. When you're... I mean, no. I mean, I 100. I would. I would crash. I mean, I well, would yeah, be able to land on my feet. But the, but here's the thing. Bottom line, 
whether it's luge, bobsled, skeleton, ski jumping, slalom skiing, any of these events I look at, I would horribly injure myself doing any of them. So I think that's another reason why I want to watch because it's people doing things that I in no way, shape, or form could do. And then there's also the, it's almost the, the NASCAR factor or even like here in Athens when we have twilight every year when the bikes are driving around downtown, you want to try and position yourself on one of the corners because that's where any crashes would happen. So there is that sort of crash factor that you want to watch to see something like that happen. Yeah, to see if somebody does wipe out. I just I I always wonder like when is the first time somebody does that? And you know, well, like how, who how, decided that skeleton would be a sport? You know, who's going like head first like down an ice tube you know? yeah i mean and who <laughs> figures out like i mean do they d- does the person kind of like ease themselves in and maybe they they make one they go down and maybe make a turn and then the course is over but how do you you know at what point do you look at that or even on a ski jump you know, stand up there at the very top look down and decide all right i'm gonna go for this, and do, this. Uh, and do <laughs> it now i know they had like early on there was a like a more medium slope that they would do, and then there's right, the now much higher the, the one. Right, the bigger one, yeah. So I would assume you kind of start on the medium one, and then you work your way up to the top one. But even then, I just don't even know, like, at what point do you look at that and decide, you know, I want to give that a try and, and, and be able to immediately, like, land it and just not wipe out at first. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and like, then, I mean, well, where well, you would injure yourself to where, like, why would you ever want to do it again after that? I mean, I was going to say, uh, I figure, like, you start on, like, the Bunny Hill or whatever, like they have at the ski resorts, you know? And then yeah. you just work your and way keep up. Keep moving up. But. but yeah, at what point are you like, hey, I'm going to get on this giant ski hill and launch myself up in the air and then try to land on ice yeah like the first time you ever do it that's what i want to know is there just a process where they sort of they they keep working their way up to that uh, to that uh, you know ultimate hill and goal or if it's just from the very get-go you decide all right here's what i'm gonna do take me up there (laughs) boom i'm gone yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a very interesting thought process that goes into yeah, that. Yeah, but even like with the luge, where you're, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay down my on my back on this sled and go around this windy, icy track at about 75 miles an hour. Yeah, and look, it takes a special kind of person, I'm sure, to want to do that. It's why, like, whenever I see people skydiving or bungee jumping, my immediate response is, you know what? I'm good right here on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't want to, an experimental aircraft, I'm I'm fine avoiding that at all costs or even putting this contraption on my back where it's like there's, you know, a good chance it's going to open, but there's also a chance <laughs> you go and pull that thing and maybe it won't. So. so I'm going to assume that you're not going to be one of the first people that signs up for a self-driving car? No. <laughs> um Although, I mean, the way some, see what I, I feel like I'm a very good driver. When I'm driving, it's the other people that I'm worried about. Same so, here. <laughs> um, Maybe if they are self driving cars, at least, you know, you don't have to worry about other people driving. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, the self driving car, if it wasn't going too fast or you were in a wreck, like, you know, it would maim you too badly. Self driving cars, man. Skynet. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Have had his win. The Jetsons. We had the flying cars. Well, that's true, but you know, uh, if you if you're trusting AI to get you from point A to point B, that sounds a lot like the plot of Terminator to me. Yeah, I'd rather just stay <laughs> in control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's other drivers that I'm worried about, not me. <laughs> Same I'm here. I'm focused. Oh yeah, I'm ready to rock. But anyway, uh, if you're a, a fan of the Winter Olympics, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, good things continue to happen there, and uh, hopefully, Americans can continue to win some of these medals. Because uh, yeah, I'm tired of all these 
Scandinavian countries dominating. Well, my favorite is that the you know the Russians were banned, except they haven't been. They're just pl- uh, competing now under OAR, That's Olympic right. athletes from Russia. That's right. They have no flag, but but they're still there. So right. they they're well, not banned. Well, but, but no, but I mean I understand like the athletes that had nothing to do with the doping and everything. I mean, I get that they should be able to compete, but I also appreciate that they, that Russia won't get these medals like counted to them like all time medal count, you know. So, right. I, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. I've seen a couple jokes where it's like, "What's better, OAR Olympic athletes from Russia or OAR the band?" <laughs> yeah, I remember that band, OAR. <laughs> Very uh, '90s like jam band yeah, style. Yeah. But um, good luck uh, watching the rest of the Winter Olympics. So I don't know why I said good luck, but uh, as the they continue to go on. Don't try this at home. It's like those commercials that when you watch WWE, like, don't try this at home. It's like, yeah, don't try the ski jump at home. Although, I guess if you're around Athens or uh, the surrounding areas, you can't really do that. No, curling would be the only real safe event. Yeah, and remember, uh, even uh, I think we had that ice storm a few years back here in Athens, and there was like a video of Coach Rick at his house, like, trying like trying curling. curling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because that was during the uh, Sochi Games. It was. We had that ice storm. Yeah. It was. Because I remember at the Sochi Winter Olympics, it was like 50, 60 degrees, oh, and here yeah. we had that ice storm. Well, because Jeff was there, and he would tell us how it's like, yeah, it's like moderate temperatures out here, and they, they had to like constantly replenish the snow because it would melt. Yeah, that was <laughs> when the uh, interstate froze in Atlanta. That's right. Crazy. Tom Herman had to like walk uh, two miles to the airport. He was stuck on a recruiting visit. And uh, Freddie Freeman had to get rescued by Chipper Jones on yeah, an on ATV. That ATV. Which they uh, memorialized with a bobblehead, didn't they? They did. They absolutely did. All right, we'll uh, switch gears now here on the crossover and talk Falcons. As Matt Ryan and the number one priority for the Falcons this offseason is getting Matt Ryan signed to an extension. Well, thanks to the 49ers giving a quarterback who started five games for them this season. Granted, he won all five, and those... I mean, I guess he started, what, two games last year when Brady was out with the suspension? Uh, I think so, He started he two, got hurt. And then he got hurt, and I think Brissett started some. Yeah. So that's what, like seven, the most eight starts in his entire NFL career for Jimmy Garoppolo. And the 49ers, with that sample size, give him the richest contract in NFL history. That's got to make Tom Condon and Matt Ryan, Tom Condon, Matt Ryan's agent, just lick their chops because yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo's getting that and Matt Ryan's up next there's speculation now he's going to be the first ever 30 million dollar a year player in the NFL and Aaron Rodgers is coming up within the next year too he's so, going to get it too yeah I mean you got both of these guys who just have dollar signs in their eyes right now but it's both former MVPs yeah and that's the thing they those guys have earned the right to have that big of a contract. Jimmy Garoppolo only played eight games. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, the quarterback position in the NFL. They've Those guys have all the leverage now. When you're a team that feels like you've got one, you've got no choice but to pay them. But I and guarantee you the Falcons and Packers are looking over at, at San Francisco and be like, thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but they're going to have to pay up. I mean, Atlanta, you don't have any other option. You but can't get thing, rid of Matt Ryan. The question has been thrown out there, is Matt Ryan worth $30 million a year? And that's the wrong question because it's irrelevant. The the it's 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 your worth what the market will pay you yeah. and the quarterback market right now has gotten to this point. So is Matt Ryan? The question isn't is Matt Ryan worth thirty million a year. The question is does Matt Ryan deserve to be paid among the top quarterbacks in the NFL? Yes. And I think the answer to that's yes. Yeah, hundred percent. There's no doubt. It's a no brainer. He was the MVP two years ago. Um, you know, Atlanta's offense took a. 
you know, step back last year. But I, I even think new offensive coordinator or not, that Atlanta's offense wasn't going to sustain what it had done two years ago anyway. No. But at the end of the year, the Falcons are the only team in the NFC to make it back to the playoffs uh, two years in a row. And they were one stupid play away from beating the Eagles, a team that ended up winning the Super Bowl. It's very possible that the Falcons going into the season, because I think going into last season, people weren't thinking of the Minnesota Vikings as a possibility to play in the Super Bowl. And they got pretty close. You know, they got all the way to the NFC Championship game, but lost to the Eagles. I think going into next season, the Falcons might be the most likely team in the history of the Super Bowl to be a possibility of a team that plays a hometown Super Bowl. Yeah, agreed. I mean, the Falcons have to be considered one of the the top, you know, two or three favorites to make the Super Bowl out of the NFC. I mean, you're gonna it's gonna be hard to to you know get past the Eagles as the defending champs. Uh, and by the way, with their starting quarterback back, yeah, the Sa- <laughs> you know, I mean, the Saints did win the NFC South uh, this year, so and they they've looked like they've made the improvements on their defense. Well, on the offense too, with uh, Ingram and Kamara, really kind of becoming a run first team which is something they've never been under Drew Brees until now. And, you know, I think the Packers should have gotten rid of Mike McCarthy. But if Aaron Rodgers, if he's back and he's healthy next year, the Packers are going to be right back in the the conversation. Oh, they will be. But the problem with the Packers is you've got a Ferrari, and it's like you've got a Ferrari, and Mike McCarthy is like a Camry. You know what I mean? Like, you've got this amazing, powerful offense but Mike McCarthy's a super conservative coach, and I, I agree with you 100%. He ha, ha, is and has been holding Aaron Rodgers back for a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's criminal that he's only been to one Super Bowl. And they've had the, a 15-1 and season where they lost at home. They've had, um, you know, so many of these. You know, he, I mean, he was – I know Favre was the quarterback still, but they had that um, – have they had two 15-1 seasons, I think, where mm-hmm. they've not made the Super yeah. Bowl. And I think both of those, McCarthy was the uh, was the coach. And look, the Falcons were a – they were lightning in a bottle last season. And, and, they, and the, the Falcons beat the crap out of the Packers in the NFC Championship game. But with that much talent on that team, that team never should have lost to the Falcons that badly in the NFC title game. And again, I think a lot of that goes on Mike McCarthy and his – extremely conservative play calling well yeah I, I mean we found out last year when when Aaron Rodgers got hurt and you looked at the Packers after that the Packers roster they're basically without Aaron Rodgers they're the Cleveland Browns oh yeah and um I mean so and they've got some good skill position players and, and guys like Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson but no I agree I mean outside of that I mean they're, they're not a very good football team other than the fact that they have the best quarterback in the league it's like when uh, Peyton Manning got hurt for the Colts and what was it, Curtis Painter? Was yeah, they were picking number one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, if he's back and healthy, it's there. You have to t- consider them a uh, um, a contender too. I think the Seahawks are done though. So oh yeah, th- th- their time's come and gone. Yeah, but so you got and and I'm not. I got to tell you, I mean, even though the Eagles just won the Super Bowl, I don't completely trust them. That NFC East has become the division where the team in last place will end up winning it the next year. Well, the Falcons showed you too in that NFC divisional round game that the Eagles can be had. The Falcons should have won the game. Yeah, I know. I mean, they were – they was a stupid – you know, they decided to roll Matt Ryan out. Even then, I mean, Julio, he could have caught that ball. It's not like it was just uh, right in his well, breadbasket or anything. The, but he slips and falls, and then the corner's, like, pushing him down. I still don't know how that wasn't at least something. Yeah. Because you can't hold a guy down and not let him get back up. But. Yeah, you know, but in the end, it was um, – you know, I think when you – 
all things considered, this Falcons season, while you know there were the way they lost to the Dolphins, uh, losing that home game to the Bills, there were definitely some disappointments along the way. But ultimately, they got back to the playoffs, and I think the Falcons. You still have to be optimistic about where they were where they could get to in the next couple of years with things changing in the uh, in the uh, in the NFC so much, and you know the fact that I mean the Packers to me are the most serious threat because of Aaron Rodgers, but I just I don't understand how they kept Mike McCarthy. No, I can't get past that. Definitely mind-boggling, but the Falcons, as I said, uh, probably in terms of a team going into a season and before the season starts, have the best chance of any team ever, maybe, to play in their hometown Super Bowl. Yeah, no, I agree. So uh, we'll see what the Falcons can do, and we'll see if Matt Ryan becomes the NFL's first $30 million a year man. All right, last but not least, Switching gears one more time here on the crossover. The Jekyll and Hyde team known as Georgia Basketball gets a win down in Gainesville last night. We're recording this on Thursday. Game was on Wednesday night. That win in Gainesville, first time this team has won in Gainesville since 2002 when Jarvis Hayes and Fred Gibson were on the team. And I guess Jonas was on the Jonas team too, well, but no, true. I, um, you know, I, for me, the, the, the game is, it's a, it's a nice, it's a good win against a rival in a place where George hasn't won in a long time, but well, I am, complete the season sweep. I am not getting sucked into, <laughs> oh, maybe this team can end up in the tournament now. No, because they play Tennessee Saturday. They play Tennessee again still. Uh, they got LSU and Texas A&M there and they have to go to South Carolina who already won here in Athens, so it was great. The, the The dogs swept the Gators in basketball, and they won in Gainesville for the first time since 2002. But Georgia's still headed to the NIT, and um, uh, and uh, you know, I, the Georgia's going to be in the market for a new head coach too in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and and if you're going to speculate, the problem with that is it's like there you just don't know. I mean, with college basketball, there's many different ways to go about hiring a head coach. You could do what you know, Florida and some of these other schools have done, and get the the, the up and coming guy. You know, Florida gets Mike White from Louisiana Tech. Yeah, and who's up and coming? But he just lost two games to Georgia this year. That's true, but he he's <laughs> Those done are a, bad losses. Yeah. But he's done a relatively good job there. And you could also go maybe the route that Alabama, excuse me, that Alabama went, bringing in an Avery Johnson. And if the Georgia job does become available, uh, you know, at the end of the season. One name that I would not mind like looking at and talking to because there's an interesting connection between this guy and Athens, and it would kind of be replicating what Alabama did, bringing in Avery Johnson from the NBA who had never coached in college. Granted, he took a few seasons off after losing his job with the Dallas Mavericks. But this is a guy who didn't have any coaching experience in college but is still a very reputable name. Jeff Van Gundy. You know, that's a, and I, re, I mentioned him because of the ties to Athens. I think his daughter either goes here still his, his, or went here. Yeah, is it his daughter or his niece? It's, I think it's his daughter. His daughter, okay, yeah. And uh, I'm not exactly sure if she's still at UGA, but Jeff Van Gundy's popped up around town every once in a while. I don't know, even, and there's this thing. I don't even know if he'd be interested. He seems to love his TV job a lot, but we've seen that coaching itch get guys. Look at John Gruden going to the Raiders, although that's probably more due to the $10 million a year yeah. than anything else. But, you know, if that coaching bug is still there, I think a guy like Jeff Van Gundy would, would be a, a home run hire for, for not well, not just Georgia, but like any program. Well, just because look at what uh, Avery Johnson's done. I'm not saying it will work out the same way, but it's worked out pretty well for Alabama. I guess Avery Johnson did um, 
he he had a TV gig and decided to uh, to give coaching in college a uh, crack. I mean, the, you know, again with college coaching, it's the the tough thing. If you got a, a nice, sweet announcing gig like Van Gundy does, the idea of then having to go and present yourself and and recruit and recruit and recruit and recruit that might be the uh, the tough sell. I, I I have a hunch that Georgia, when you look at the success that Tennessee's had with uh, Rick Barnes. Um, you know, even Auburn now, as Pearl's finally gotten Same it going. Like an established college coach. Uh, yeah, somebody like that. Well, Ben Howland at Mississippi State. Ben Howland at Mississippi one. State's another one. That so are you saying that uh, <laughs> the March Few name is going to drop once again for some reason? Like, I feel like every time Georgia's had a job opening, Mark Few gets mentioned. And it's like, is the only reason that happens because Gonzaga is also the Bulldogs? Like, why would he leave Gonzaga? He's in a perfect position. No, he's not going to leave Gonzaga no. to come here. And not even like Mark Few. who I'm talking about like a coach who basically had a, a veteran coach who was not coaching, who had been, you know, fired or something like Barnes yeah, was at yeah. Texas, or like Howland had UCLA. been at UCLA, you know, Pearl had, I guess, technically gotten fired at Tennessee, but we know why. Because I'll just tell you, because I've heard, I've got... Um, you talking Rick Pitino here? No, no, no. I've got little birds chirping in my head, and I'm telling you, I I would not be surprised if Tom Crean was, was, uh, became Georgia's next head coach. And believe me, that is not an endorsement of him. No, I'm, but, not, I'm not on the Tom Crean train either. But I, that, that's, that would be a, a move that would not at all surprise me. Well, I mean, Tom Crean just kind of was fledgling at Indiana. Like they were they had a few seasons where they were really good, but I mean it never really seemed like like he was going to be a guy that led them to a national championship. No, his last year was a disaster there and you read, I mean the the stuff you read about him when he was there was he wasn't good recruiting in state. Uh you know, he was also uh like I guess he had a few little run-ins in the handshake line where he's, you know, he's related to Jim Harbaugh. I think they're brother-in-laws. They are. So he's one of those guys that's kind of like High-tempered, high-strung. He got Marquette to a Final Four there, though, too. They had Dwayne Wade. But um, I'm just telling you, that that would, you know, that's, I, I, I've heard that little bird chirping in my head, and he would really kind of fit in the copycat industry of Georgia sitting back thinking, well, it's worked for Tennessee, it's working at Auburn, it's kind of worked at Mississippi State, so maybe they we try that route instead of going with one of these up-and-coming mid-major names. What if uh, Tom Izzo and uh, Michigan State parted ways? Huh? Huh? Well, if they parted ways, it would be because Tom Izzo was, uh, uh, I, I guess, Complicit, complicit, and covering up <laughs> sexual assaults by probably his players. So it'd probably be a school. bad, yeah, it'd be a bad look for Georgia to uh, to get him. And Patino would be even worse. Yeah, that would be a bad thing too. So, but Crean now sitting there on TV, he's out of coaching, but you know he's kind of this name. Like, hey, this guy took Marquette to a Final Four and he was coaching in Indiana. It'd be the kind of name that. Um, I could see Greg McGarity thinking he really got a steal and is making a splash in coaching. And again. Um, that would be no endorsement uh, by me for him, but it's just the the type of uh, hire I could see Georgia making. Let me just put it this way. <laughs> if Georgia does make a move and the job does become open, please don't hire another coach that is going to force you to stay in the half court 99% of the time and I, I don't. I want a up tempo style coach because I think the athletes that are on this team. I know Yante Maton's not going to be there, but Georgia has really athletic bigs that can move and get up and down the floor. I think Georgia leaves a lot of points on the board night in and night out because they don't run. You know, they they, they don't try to run with teams. They try to make teams play their game 
which is, and I'm going to say this as nicely as I can, that extremely boring half-court crap. Yeah, and, but and, I mean, I, believe just... me, I, I watch it night in and night out. You know, Virginia, like, if I was a fan of Virginia, and they're the number one team in the country right now, they win games by beating teams like 55 to like 40-something or 30-something. True, but with Virginia, it's like, they while there aren't a lot of possessions in their game, they're scoring on... Most of them. It's the same thing with Wisconsin. The but it's not entertaining with, basketball to the watch. The problem with Georgia it's, uh, is that we play that slow, plodding tempo, but our, and our offensive efficiency is in the bottom of the league, right. too. I but mean, here, here's the issue. Like, like, Virginia can score. It's just they... It, they, they choose not to? <laughs> well, well, no. I mean, they score when they... They just choose not to have a game where there's a lot of possessions. Right. And, I mean, that's the thing. I, I don't think... I think Georgia's ineffectiveness on offense is is hampering them in terms of playing within that system. Yeah. So that's why I think they should run more. I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's dull. It's no fun to watch. I mean, you'd, you'd tolerate it if you won, but you're, well, that's the thing. If Georgia's you're play, not winning. Yeah, so. if you're going to play the Virginia, Wisconsin, and I'm, I'm not comparing Georgia to those schools because those schools are way better at basketball than Georgia is, but if you're going to play the style of basketball that these teams play, you better win because it is not attractive and it is not going to get people into the arena. Because, I mean, look at Georgia basketball. They, 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 they do well on Saturdays, but I think this team could have way more support. And I think a big reason is it's just, at times, it's dull. It's not fun to watch. I, mean, I, so I watch Georgia on offense, and so I sit there and tell myself sometimes, like, Georgia doesn't deserve to score on this possession because there's nothing happening on offense. Well, they're swinging the ball around the top of the key for, like, 25 seconds. And then seconds, eventually it's like, and then, oh, oh, we need to get a shot off. The shot clock has expired, yeah. I know. And, you know, it's it was great to beat uh, Florida, but in the end you wonder, like... It's almost more frustrating. You beat Florida twice, and then you look at the rest of the results, and it makes you... It's frustrating because you're yes. like, how are they playing this well in this game, but they're losing to, like, worse teams? And, no, it, it's extremely frustrating The team could be better than it is, but, you know, Mayton hit that three to cut it to three, then he hit that three to tie the game. And unless Georgia does turn this into some run here at the end of the season, which I'm, I'm going to wait until we see them play Tennessee Saturday. If Georgia somehow beats Tennessee Saturday, Maybe then that'll I'll, be a 2008 style run. Then I'll say like, oh, okay, now you have my attention yeah. again. But if Georgia just turns around and they get beaten at home by Tennessee, a much better team, then it's like, okay, it was good. It was great to beat Florida, but it doesn't mean anything. And, you know, all that Mayton, I mean, you know, really, it's funny. Like, if Georgia lost that game last night, then you're sitting here like, George, Mark Fox is out of a job. Well, here's the question right now. Where would Georgia be if Yante Mayton had gone pro or like declared for the draft and like stayed in the draft? They'd be the worst team in the league. They'd be maybe the worst team in like Power Five conference. Yeah, I mean they're close to being the worst team in the SEC anyway. Um, so but, unfortunate. Yeah, but it took it took him hitting. I mean those two threes at the end of the game where it looked like you know the Gators were in control and Mayton just went boom boom sent it to overtime and then Florida was ice cold. But hey, Brian beat Tennessee. That's all we got to say. Yeah, if that happens, then maybe I'll, you know, again, they'll, all right, you've got my attention now. Let's see what happens. He's Chris Bram. I'm Sam Franco. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Crossover Podcast. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, we won't have to do as much pre-show adjusting of the audio levels. Uh, We were very frustrated before coming on uh, the podcast today because some people like to come in and change a bunch of things and then not tell anybody that they're changing things. But I digress. We'll be back next week with another exciting edition of the Crossover Podcast right here on 960theref.com. You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain on 960theref.com.